morning. What's up, Penta? You're tuned in to the Chicano Podcast. I'm your host, Balon, and this is being brought to you by Chocast. This is also being brought to you by Chicano and, of course, Steve Garcia. I got a, I got a, I got a special host. I got, a, I got a guest uh, today uh, by the name uh, Rafael Avita. That, that's how you pronounce your last name, right, Rafael? Avitia, two eyes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Hey, well, uh, hey, man. Uh, good morning. Good morning. I heard you. I just wanted to do the introduction. That way, uh, you know, this thing uh, goes smoothly, and I don't have to do any cuts. <laughs> right on. You, good morning. I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. It's uh, is it starting to get cold over here in Texas? Here, wow. <laughs> How? Uh, what's the weather like over there? I uh, same thing. It's uh, it's cold for us. What you guys consider cold, we'll get it. You know, half of the year, and it's kind of foggy too, so it's kind of weird. Uh, and then obviously, you know, in the sun, summertime, it gets hot, but not as hot as Texas, not as hot as you guys. Yeah, man. I heard uh, somebody tell me yesterday or the day before it was going to drop. Yeah, it was yesterday uh, in the morning right around this time. They're telling me it was going to drop in the next couple of days to like 16 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I'm starting to feel it. Um, but um, outside outside of the weather, man, I mean, you're what, what part of California are you in, bro? I'm in Fresno, Fresno, California, and that's Central California. Actually, we're right in the center of the state, the agricultural center of the world, really. Uh, this is where the Central Valley, where Cesar Chavez organized a lot of farm workers in Delano, along with the Filipino, Larry Leon, you know, leaders like that. Dolores Huerta came out of Stockton, which isn't too far from here. And uh, Fresno is known for its farm workers, you know, big base of farm workers. Uh, but we are uh, like three hours from LA, three hours from the Bay, and uh, about three hours west of you know uh, the central Monterey, Monterey, Salinas area. So, so you grew up, you grew up there. Yeah, I grew up here. I wasn't born here though. When you when you say that um, you weren't born here, like um, how when when did you when did you first uh, you know come to um, what we call the United States? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I was born in 1968 in Culiacán, Sinaloa, Mexico. And um, I grew up, I was there till about age maybe five, six, I can't remember. But I know that we, we crossed the border into San Isidro. My dad was a bracero in the bracero program working already here in the in the fields, in the canneries. Um, so he brought us over and I think we lived in, uh, we lived in San Isidro. Down, uh, down south for a little bit, and then we transferred. We moved to quickly moved to South Central Los Angeles, which is Watts, Compton, Inglewood, uh, where uh, we actually lived there uh, for a couple of years before moving to East LA. And uh, in East LA, as a child, I was growing up there. I thought that was where I was going to grow up at, and, and I didn't speak any English. That's you know, here I am only speaking Spanish. And eventually, about seven or eight, maybe nine years old, I can't remember, we, we moved to the Central Valley uh, for jobs here to a place called Tulare County, Tulare, California. And uh, I've been here uh, all my life after that in the Central Valley. Uh, started working in the fields. And, and although I traveled the world, I never left the Central Valley. So you yourself also were working in the fields. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, up until 12 years old, you know, me and my, I had seven brothers and, and uh, two sisters. Uh, actually, there were seven boys and just two girls, nine, nine, nine kids. And the vast majority of us, we, we grew up here working in the fields up until the age 12, where we still didn't have any kind of legal residence. And so we know what it is to be, have to hide from what we call the migra back then. Today we call ICE, what it meant to have to hide underneath beds, keep your head down, don't get in trouble because we didn't have papers. And I almost got deported, you know, a few times and I uh, got lucky because my mom wasn't with me. So they didn't want to send a child to Mexico without a guardian, right? So, uh, yeah, that's a crazy experience working in the fields. So, I mean, do you think that, um, you know, the, 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 the humanity or the politics behind, um, like, the, 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 the not wanting to send you know, a child back, you know, with their parents. I mean, that sounds a little more empathetic than what it sounds like today. I mean, were they a little bit more uh, empathetic to, like, you know, the Mexican uh, farm worker or 
the uh, braceros or the people that were trying to become, uh, you know, trying to make something out of their life or afford a living in what we call the land of opportunity back then? Or is it still just the same old racism and it's always been or it's gotten worse? Or what do you what, what would you think? Well, I wouldn't say it was empathetic, to be honest with you. I think it's always been all about money, cheap labor. Because that's really what the, you know, the rancheros, the white ranchers, we you know we say rancheros, but they're, they're white ranchers, vast majority of them. All they wanted was cheap labor then, and all they wanted want is cheap labor today. So all the rhetoric, all the hate speech that we hear today, um, it's not new. But, but the underlying uh, uh, motivation, I think, is that cheap labor. It's a dirty little secret America has had for years. When they got rid of slavery, or at least, you know, modified it, because I still think we still have slavery in America. But, you know, when you they officially did away with slavery with the 13th Amendment, you know, you need cheap labor. And who better than to, uh, you know, uh, enslave people in workforces where you get paid little wages, you get little rights, you can even be sprayed on back in the 70s and 60s with the chemicals and, and all these chemicals were, were meant for bugs and they were sprayed on the people, um, you know, to the, the horrible working conditions where women didn't even have bathrooms and my mother had to go out into, for example, the orchards and the fields with other women and they had to hold up towels so the men wouldn't see them using the bathroom because there was no bathroom, there was no water. Now things have changed and, they, you know, through Cesar Chavez, Dolores Huerta and other labor leaders, we, before we managed to get some of these changes. But the truth is, it's always been about that cheap labor that they can get. And it's still going on today. It's still going on today where they're trying to uh, squeeze out as much as they can out of you. You know that labor and, and it's us on the west coast and on the east coast we're there all over as well by the way but there's all these other uh, ethnic groups that i mean that have gone through the same experience even some white groups who managed to assimilate they know this is true mm-hmm. and 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 when you were talking about being young i mean you were you were a laborer as a child you were saying yeah, because back then, a lot of people don't realize, and it still happens today, a lot of people don't don't understand. It's not really talked about, but families were large. Uh, Mexicano, for example, families or uh, families from Central South America, they had large families, and they would take their kids out because the more hands you had to work, and sometimes, you know, you they drive you fast to pack, to pick, and the bigger the family, the easier it was to get things done. Uh, so people uh, oftentimes had their kids with them working in the fields four in the morning uh five in the morning you know you're out there with the whole family i remember there were several accidents people would get hurt people would get sick it was never reported and a lot of families they went um on you know not reporting their child's injury or even uh, there'd be some serious close to death experience and there in fact was some you know deadly accidents or incidents that occurred in the fields but a lot of families were afraid to report it for fear of being deported for fear of being fired so it was an economic means of survival taking your entire family out there even us who were, we're only seven years old out there picking grapes on our knees um you know having all you know you got snakes sometimes that pop up you got bugs you got definitely got chemicals going in through your lungs and people including my own mother got sick at her even at an early age when she was in her 50s those doctors were saying you you've got all these you know, all these um after effects all these consequences of chemicals of being on your knees and inhaling this stuff uh, you know there's people who are doing work looking research into that about the farm workers 50 years ago what they had to go through and the silence they had to live in because you know they, they would be deported or they'd lose their job wow wow so a lot of this um it's just like you said swept under the rug we don't really talk about it i mean has this like really inspired your 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 um hunger to want to know more about like um i guess activism and you know just being like i guess politically woke or is it just part of like being in the environment that you live in well you know i'll be honest with you i'm 52 years old right now and those experiences that i just laid out they actually uh, inspired me to try harder to, you know, to make my parents proud because raza mexicana, guatemalteca, it doesn't matter where you're from. If you're brown, indigenous, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. You got these values and you, you want to make your parents proud. So I didn't want to let them down. 
But once I got into to Mecha, I joined Mecha, which is a Movimiento Estudiantil Chicano de Aslan. It's an organization that used to be big in high schools. Uh, I started seeing these, you know, some some injustices that were going on. And then when I got to Fresno State, I joined Mecha there. It got radicalized by a lot of the strong women. Boy, they they picked me up, slapped me around, said, "No, this is what's going on." And this is who you, where you come from. And I remember Chicano studies professors teaching me and Chicana professors, you know, guiding me. And eventually I got really angry, which is something a lot of young people will go through. They'll become uh, angry. They'll go through this anger phase. And um, and those experiences, knowing now, looking back in retrospect, saying, man, those injustices, they were wrong. Being called a wetback, even by my own, you know, people who were already born here, Mexicanos, Chicanos who would call us mojados and wetbacks. Even then, I didn't know what the word wetback meant. But now, you know, I'm in college and, and especially I'm being woken up to a lot of stuff that had gone on. It truly made, drove me to um, to to learn more, to get involved. And uh, during my college years, I was a, a, a radical, very radicalized in, in my actions, in my militancy. Uh, but I was also hungry for knowledge. And I think that that the the red road um which i you know I, i followed for many years the teachings of our elders our grandmothers they helped calm me down in many ways and refocus but not let go of that anger i i thank a lot of the elders that, who guided me because they they told me don't you know they they made it clear don't let go of that anger that's that's valid it's valid to be angry at the injustices but focus how are you going to use that that anger how are you going to channel that And I always remember that they, they managed to guide me. And as a result, um, I've been a you know, political activist and organizer, uh, a radical, everything from sit-ins to uh, you name it, stuff like, you know, a, a radical actions where we, we did things that really changed and pushed everything from we, we attacked police brutality to the immigration to, to City Hall here in Fresno. Uh, when they were shooting uh, uh, people here, especially the farm workers who didn't speak English, uh, deportations, ICE. I mean, uh, I became a pretty big radical in that way. Uh, but I think that's a good thing. Today, a lot of young people call it Antifa, which, by the way, uh, I wouldn't deny that either. People say, well, then you're an anti-fascist, right? You're Antifa. Well, if you want to call me that, then yes, because I am anti-fascist. But a lot of that stems from those experiences as a young child that anger that built up later on and then the ability to to channel it something more constructive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> social media that's that's a that's a good point that you bring up i mean we um we nowadays use a you know social media you know in every aspect of our life i mean it's a it's a it's a, it's something that's just there whether you're on it or whether you're not And um, I mean, would 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 you say that now uh, social media is one of those things that you know we can use in a positive way to reach other people, or is like social media becoming so, like you said, there's certain things that like are taboo, or like you know, like I mean, is it just like almost like a double-edged sword? Because I mean, you said something about Antifa, right? That could very easily start an argument. Uh, you know, with like, let's just say people within our own, uh, you know, let's just say factions or, uh, you know, being a Chicano, you know, some people might say this, some people might say that. And then you just start this big old fight and there's these taboo words to where people become intolerant. I mean, you kind of, I mean, do you think social media is getting better for us or worse for us? Or what do you, what do you think about that? Well, having grown up and, and grown up with and without social media, I can say this about social media and I can say this about today's uh, generations, the younger people from, you know, teenage years to college age. Social media is a tool and that's all it is. Um, social media, like anything, we should view it as a tool and use it, at, you know, the best way uh, and hone it the best, you know, way possible to get the most out for, uh, uh, for, uh, for our people, right? For our, our poor communities, the working class, those that don't have a voice. And so social media is like a loaded gun. And in many ways, I would I would argue that social media can do, can make more damage, cause more damage or make more positive change depending on the user their intentions their motives so most social media is no different than than a gun than a rock than any weapon that exists 
but by the same token, it depends on the user. So I would say the social media, you know, it's going to be around for a while. That's the direction we're headed. Um, and just like our, our ancestors from the Toltec to the Olmec to the, the Maya, you know, the Azteca and today's indigenous groups, you know, they've all evolved. They all had to, you know, their, 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 their wisdom, their knowledge, their science. You know, we as Raza Chicana, Mexicana, or whatever indigenous background we come from, we have a powerful history that has never been told. And our ancient um, brothers and sisters, our elders, they had this technology then, not social media per se, but they did some things that today's scientists and doc, uh, 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 academia, they have no idea how it was possible. How did they know this? How did they know that? We come from a rich culture of achievers and social media is just one of those uh, tools in history. It looks different, but it's, it's the same thing. History will always repeat itself with a different face, a different name. Um, and so social media should be used as, and looked at as a tool to get us ahead. And when it comes to, for example, uh, things like Antifa or, or being anti-fascist, Rasa, Chicana, Mexicana, we've always been anti-fascist. We've always been against the fascism because we started out um, in the modern times being attacked by colonizers about four, four, 500, 600 years ago where they came and invaded. And so we've always had a rise up against fascism and racism and, 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 and brainwashing and brutalization, physical brutalization and murder and genocide. So we've always had to resist. And that's what Antifa means or anti-fascist means is you're not going to put up with that and you're going to stand up against it. Now, some people would argue and say, well, that means then that you're violent. And I think that's where we have to, as leaders in our community, be careful uh, and, and educate our young and our activists to do the right thing, obviously to, to stand up against injustice, to be anti-fascist, but also to do it in ways that are, are, are clever, wise, uh, and not foolish. Don't rush to go pick up a gun when you could, you know, use, man, look at this. A bunch of 12 year old girls brought down Donald Trump's, you know, the, uh, that fool's uh, 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 one of his uh, rallies in Tulsa simply by using TikTok. So imagine, you know, the, the power that that social media can do for us. And we don't have to be violent, quote unquote. But by the same token, I would warn people, uh, don't be scared by militancy. Don't be scared by people who try to accuse us of being violent, because in this uh, picture, this long picture called history, We've been the victim of this genocide, and it's popular to blame a victim uh, when you've got no other way out to explain yourself. It's popular to point at the victim and say, well, what about them? Or, you know, and turn, try to turn it around on you. So I would encourage your gente or people to, to not get caught up with that because, again, Antifa is also a word that is not new, but it's also hasn't always been around. It just means you're fighting against some something horrible. And in these times, and hundred years from now, we may not call it Antifa again. We may not call it rebellion or revolution. It may be known by a different word, but it's still standing up, no matter what you call it, no matter how you hatch it out, still standing up against injustices or injustice. Well, I mean, you, you know, it sounds like you're lucky in the fact that, you know, and I mean, maybe you don't see it that way, uh, but, you know, you grew up, you know, with uh, a different outlook um, on life, which I just formed different opinions nowadays you have all these you know mexican americans or chicanos or people uh you know with our culture you know in different parts of the country that grow up very very differently and they don't really see these type of injustices or sometimes even our own family right um doesn't want them to know about it because they want to shelter them or for whatever reason you have different gente nowadays waking up to a lot of these injustices because not only people are talking about it like yourself, but these other people sometimes you even see it, like I was saying on social media, will argue, you know, hey, this is the best country in the world. And why are you complaining? And why don't you take advantage instead of crying about it and all this and this and that? Because they've never either seen it or they've been really um, part of this, um, you know, hegemony that just teaches us that, you know, hey, um, you know, it is Thanksgiving, it is Christmas, it is, you know, uh, you know, Jesus Christ and all these other things that kind of almost, um, I guess, weaken that spirit of what you were calling 
that anger, that radicalism, that 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 something that just, you know, almost says no. I I I I I feel more like an American than I do, like you know, my people. I mean, we have like so many different types of people, right? Like even people that are listening to this podcast, they may hear you. And they may be like, you know, like, whoa, what is this guy talking about, right? Like, there wouldn't you agree? There's a lot of people, especially like not on the West Coast, that that have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that there's a lot of those people who uh, would prefer to just, you know, hey, keep quiet. Matter of fact, uh, I'll confess, I think I grew up in that kind of household where I was told I was encouraged not to speak about these things, not to pay attention to these kind. Of- radicals that are out there and i'm talking about during the 60s and, and 70s and i was told not to you know raise uh, any kind of you know questions or just just keep your head down and be that you know good good citizen so you don't get deported right uh well mm-hmm. i can say this and i should have said this earlier on especially in response to some people who may think that way uh it's not new that they think that way so we've always had that uh, but, but, you know, I didn't mention this, but I, I'm actually, um, I'm a teacher. I've been teaching for 21 years. I'm a history teacher, economics, government teacher. I have a degree in psychology, which I'll get to right now. I have a master's in education. I have a doctorate in law. I went to school to be a lawyer. So I have a JD or just doctorate. And so everything I talk about is, is my experience, but it's also, you know, coming from a, you know, I guess you could say, quote unquote, educated uh, background, you know, in in my uh, adult years, because as a young person, I was told just keep it down, or it's not that bad. We live in America, right? But that's the danger with any one of us, whoever, like myself, whoever gets an education. Uh, sometimes, most of us, we tend to just, you know, go away to blend into the system. We're making money now. I can name on my finger or I could count on my finger the number of machistas or radical activists from my college years who today are still involved. And there's maybe one or two from my generation. And that's a shame because it's not to say that everybody that goes to college should sell out, but people that go to college will also become, you know, citizens and raising families, have family. And so there's no problem with that. They're doing the most revolutionary action, which is to raise our children, to teach them right from wrong. But there's a vast majority of others who start seeing that money come in. And you know what? The truth is you either get red killed (laughs) or you're going to get, you know, you're going to get blue killed or black killed or white killed. You know how they're all right. They say all these things. They take it from a movie scene. And this movie scene, these movies are like the Matrix, right? And you're going to get one of those pills. And sometimes they choose that pill just to not know. They choose that pill just to live in, quote, unquote, America, the best place in the world. And so, if you took a snapshot of that, that's true. But if you look at the, the consequences of, of what's happened in, over the years, you know that look at what we got the last four years in the White House. Tell me that that wasn't going backwards. And why was that, right? So we can't remain complacent because once we let our guard down, uh, we allow some pretty evil people to start running our lives, man, telling us what to do, putting kids in cages. You, you brought up a, a good, a good, um, a lot of good things, really. But it, it made me think just for a second um, when you were talking about blue field, white field, um, uh, black field, you know, I don't really... Uh, understand i've never heard that before oh no it's a but pill I... pill black pill blue pill red pill it's uh a... oh okay yeah i got you i got you so I, I was thinking about it in a little bit more like um like economics right because you, you you actually have a a pretty um diverse educational background and array of you know things that's cool i mean maybe that's why i find you really interesting uh, but that's that, that that's a that's a very good uh, way to understand, uh, you know, a lot of different, um, you know, different topics and stuff like that. But I mean, I got a question when when you were talking about like how your parents or like some of our parents, right, don't want us to be exposed by all the you know the dirty stuff because maybe deep down inside they really feel like, okay, my my son, you know, Miha has a chance, you know, to to to, to make something of herself. I don't. I don't want her to know about all the injustices or this or this. I mean, I, I understand that. I feel that. I come, I come from a family where I think my mom, my mom didn't know what was best, but she tried 
to do what was best. And even though initially, you know, when my dad would try to talk Spanish, you know, she'd tell him, no, 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 no. You know, and he's like, why? You know, because he dropped out of school, I think when he was like 12. He just, there was just so many problems with the education system back then where it was, it was psychological, psychologically traumatizing to him when they would make fun of him because of whatever reasons they did. He dropped out real early. But uh, my mom didn't want us to know to, to, to talk Spanish. And, and, and one of the things that she always taught me is she just remembers, you know, getting in trouble, detentions, uh, getting, you know, like they would slap her hand, you know, like don't be, you know, because they thought that they were like, I don't know, plotting us. You know, like, they're going to kill. Like they're going to do something that like, you know, hey, what are you guys talking about? Like y'all must be plotting, you know, so my mom didn't want. So I, I get that. But. What, what I was what I was thinking is, is, I mean, you know, they, they want us to have a better life. They don't want us to, like, you know, go through all these things. And you say that that, that, that could be damaging. But when I when I think about it, you know, I think about um, one time I heard a comedian. He said something about, you know, you look at some black uh, basketball players that, you know, uh, I think, you know, he, he, he lived and he's a comedian. I, I can't remember which one he was. I'm thinking it was Chris Rock. And I like, I mean, it was a badass stand-up uh, show where he was talking about like his next door neighbor might've been a basketball player, but all his other neighbors were just regular uh, white profession kind of jobs. Like one was a doctor, one was an engineer. And these are all guys making like 40, 50, $100 million, you know, homes, you know? And I mean, when, 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 I, when I think about all these things where, you know, they say the American dream, right? Like is, do, do like, uh, you see some of us doing okay, but I mean, do we ever have, and this is where he brought up, he said, yeah, some of us get rich, like, like uh, you know, maybe like Michael Jordan or uh, Oprah Winfrey, but that's not really wealthy. You know, you want to talk about wealthy, you look at Warren Buffett, you look at Bill Gates, you look at Jeff Bezos, that's wealthy, you know, in comparison to like, you know, who do we have? You know, like, I, I don't know how much, how many 10, 20, 30 million dollars George Lopez has or, uh, you know, any other Mexicanos that I can think of off the top of my head. But you think that you think there's like a correlation to why there are because you earlier you were also talking about social media. You're talking about those tools we could never afford or come up with our own Facebook, could we? I mean, the way that they have it set up, I mean, do we have that kind of, or, or, or what are the reasons we don't have that kind of wealth? Well, what do you think, man? I, you know what? Nobody has that kind of wealth. <laughs> Nobody. We, you, you mentioned some people like Oprah and Jordan. They're, they're not wealthy compared to some of the wealthy people. They're poor. You know, nobody has no, that, that kind of that's wealth. That's exactly what I'm saying. Jeff Bezos yeah. and Bezos. Bill Gates. and Oh, that's wealth, right? Yeah, that's wealth. So, you know, nobody, not even white people in general, but the most poor people in, in America are white people in the South. People don't know this. We got the stereotype of uh, Mexican or, or brown and black people getting welfare checks and getting welfare. But the truth is, this white people are the vast majority who are poor. So nobody has that wealth. And, you know, to the question about uh, parents, yes, I, I think that a lot of them, it's not that they mean anything bad. They just want the best for the child and they and they want them to be safe. So there's, to there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I think those who, who is a more fault are those are educated class those those leaders who aren't telling the truth for example you just asked a question you know can we get that kind of wealth is it possible for us to ever build that kind of wealth or things well it depends on our values it depends if we value exploiting people then hell yeah it is because the truth is bezos jeff bezos from amazon zuckerberg all these people they <laughs> they exploit workers they didn't get wealthy by themselves by themselves so yeah if your value system leads you to that then you can't be wealthy like that or you can be super wealthy there's a big difference but nobody's ever reached that point at least oh i'm sorry none of us are, are to that point at this point the vast majority are poor in america well i mean do we even have okay well then let's take it a step down i mean do <coughs> Do you see a lot of people even on the, the Oprah level or the Michael Jordan level? I mean, when it comes to like Mexican-Americans, Chicanos, 
I mean, I mean, there were times when I was young and I would see like, you know, people from other countries, right? And they talk about it like, oh, anybody can make it here. You look at the convenience store, you know, he's from Iraq or they're from Iran or they're from India or all these people are doing well and they can, they talk a different language or they have a different accent or they're from a different country. But I mean, are there opportunities, you know, different from like our opportunities or are, 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 are we still like on this racist platform just as bad, if not worse than like, you know, African-Americans? Well, you know, first, as far as Michael Jordan, people like that, and us ever being on that level as a, as a community, as a people, truth is, if that's the standard, that's not going to make you any better. Michael Jordan, after all, wouldn't take a stand for black people and take a stand against white racism in his own state. Uh, a guy named Senator Jesse Holmes, who, who basically was a horrible, horrible racist. Michael Jordan said, well, Republicans buy Nikes too. If that's our standard, then I don't want to be like that. You know, I think, matter of fact, you will find much better people, working class people, more down to earth, more real than people at that level. But if we're talking economics, you know, I, I believe that socialism is probably an economic system like socialism. And, uh, you know, without getting philosophical, theoretical and that whole bit, losing people. The truth is socialism is probably one of the best systems out there that we could be using. And capitalism, it, which is what Michael Jordan got his wealth from, what Oprah and others and Carlos Slim in Mexico, they made their wealth from you know, capitalism and capitalism relies on exploiting people and, and, and selling us useless goods. And as far as affording things, even that like the technology, they purposely will make it affordable for us. They'll reduce the price. That's why we got a Walmart to keep us consuming and consuming and consuming. Uh, so if, if that is our goal to to reach a level of wealth, then, then I don't want to be part of that because my values tell me it's more important for people to be able to eat, people to be able to sleep, have someplace shelter to, to not freeze to death out in the street, to be able to be taken care of because they have, you know, Down syndrome or maybe they're born with a disability. They shouldn't be forgotten. I believe that's where we should be challenging, challenging, uh, channeling our, our economics towards and not towards trying to achieve that quote unquote American dream and, and be like the, the George Lopez is with all that money. Although George Lopez has stood up to in his industry, it's still uh, capitalism at, at its root. And I don't know if you know this, Steve, but I visited Cuba. I visit Cuba often. And, and I have, last year, my trip got canceled because of the pandemic. But uh, Cuba, to, to see what a poor country, quote unquote, and I call it poor because economically, the United States has been strangling it for decades, almost 70 years of this blockade, legal blockade, preventing you know goods and services from going in. But Cuba, as poor as America has kept it, still manages to take care of its people, educate its people, you know, to take care of the grandmothers, the elders. And it's beautiful when you go down there. The people are beautiful. The problem is the economic system we use today, we call today capitalism here, has put a stranglehold on a country like that. Or in Mexico, there's uh, some uh, some very uh, interesting, uh, I would say, uh, private, private locations where these people live, have their own, uh, there, some are anarchists, some are communists. They have their own communes where they have equality amongst themselves, egalitarian. And their value system is about taking care of the people, educating, feeding the people. And they they want they don't care about the the Amazons and being being that rich and wealthy. They care and about the young people who are sick or the old people who are sick. That is more important. Than how big of a mansion you're going to have, or how many millions you're going to have. So yeah, you know, I know it's a long answer, but but I think that our people, uh, and I say our people, I'm talking about all people, poor people, doesn't matter what color you are. We got to start thinking in terms of of what we have in common as well. And one of those things we have in common is straight up, we are poor. The vast majority of us are poor compared to Bezos and 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 um, Zuckerberg. Uh, but at the same time, we all care about our kids. I'm pretty sure we most of us care about our kids and our elders. That's that. that you know what, man? That that sounds like a uh, another another um, episode for you and me. I mean, because that that um, you know, you're talking about socialism and. Um, you know, us living in this world of, uh, you know, capitalism and uh, my background, you know, I didn't I didn't get as much uh, education as you did, but I got away. I, I was lucky enough to get away 
with graduating with a, a, a little uh, BS degree uh, in finance. And I'm proud of it. Uh, I didn't get it until I was about, I think, like 31 years old um, in Dallas at uh, the UTD. But um, I, 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 um, I got to. That's a good thing. We need more people like that that know how finances work. Because that's another, yeah, we'll have this discussion later. But, you know, our communities don't get that kind of education, right? How to buy a house, how to purchase, how to, you know, build your credit. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good thing. But, but this is what I was getting at is that I can sit here and have a conversation with you and not necessarily have been taught in the same, I guess, um, you know, there's something that you've seen, there's some things. I mean, I understand that, uh, you know, we have a lot of, um, you know, problems, uh, you know, with capitalism. And I think that's a big, uh, you know, part of like, you know, Marx and, you know, how we, uh, you know, we're critical. Right. And as thinkers, we should be. Um, However, you know, a lot of times, you know, people don't understand, uh, you know, like you said, they don't we, we don't have people in our. In, 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 in our artillery our, we don't have people that are for us that are telling us you know like you know with the amount of people that you have you know if you had you know communism you know then it, it would be good for you you know as 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 you know being able to use y'all's labor uh but at the same time you know with capitalism you know you can have a few rich people and there's gonna be but with capitalism right there's always gonna be somebody on you're always gonna need like you said earlier you're always gonna need slaves. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're always gonna need somebody at the bottom to, like you said earlier, like um, with Bezos taking advantage or um, Gates or whomever, they, they, the word you use is exploit. Yeah. Right? You're gonna need to be able, like earlier we were talking about child labor. Earlier we were talking about, you know, um, you know, little kids having to be on their knees picking fruit taking away from like what's supposed to be i mean the 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 rain i think he said something about the rainforest earlier I, I heard last year i heard last year a chunk of the rainforest as big as israel was depleted just in a meme i just recently saw or something on social media i mean it could be could not be i don't know if it's right or wrong but i mean that thing is getting torn down pretty fast i do know that's a fact and whether they were accurate with the square miles and all that stuff, I mean, that's just indigenous land. So who cares, right? Yeah, this is, that's been going on for a while. But yeah, we, you know, we get into a whole different thing about, uh, you know, uh, the environment just on that alone. But, you know, I, I know you wanted to talk about, I'm not sure if you still want to talk about identity. And I know that's something you always wanted to talk about, the term Chicana, Chicano, and, and our our us what we call ourselves right yeah yeah uh, always man and i think that that's part of a when before we go forward you know a lot of us we want to identify well i'm i'm with this or i'm that you know i'm calling myself latino hispanic mexican-american uh chicana chicano and a lot of people are confused by these terms right um and i will say this is that you know i call myself a chicano for, for, for political spiritual reasons I was born in Mexico, so technically, you know, I was a Mexicano. And then when I became a citizen, you know, they, if I go anywhere in the world, they don't care what I call myself. I'm an quote unquote American. That's how they see, right? Uh, but I think for us, and when I say us, I'm talking about oppressed people or people of color who are still struggling. Those of us, uh, before we go anywhere else, uh, we, we're going to start fighting this big old fight about identity. We're going to start getting into big old arguments about identity. Um, and I use the term Chicano to remind people that, hey, this is stolen land. We have a connection to this land. It's, it's sacred to many people. And it's, it's a spiritual connection that we have to this land. And I say it, I use the word Chicano purposely because I know it's a way of turning the mirror around on, on the oppressor and saying, you call me illegal here, but you're the one that came over here and invaded this land. So as a, as a, as a political activist, as an organizer, as a uh, educator, uh, I know that you know we have to know why we call ourselves what we do, uh, and and you know for the sake of argument with a lot of people, uh, I always say you know we, before we can even achieve certain things, uh, we're gonna have to get past this identity thing. 
but we don't have to get stuck there because uh, the military has had a plan for years and, and not just the military, but law enforcement and politicians, they keep us confused and divided over just the identity issue. Then we are like running on a, like a, like the mouse or the hamster running in that wheel. You know, we're not going anywhere. We just turning our wheels, you know, wearing ourselves down, attacking each other verbally over who we are. Uh, we spend more time attacking each other than we do attacking, you know, fighting back against those that have been attacking us, right? Uh, Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I say we need to look at each other, obviously obviously respect our differences because we ain't colorblind we're not culturally blind we, we do have our differences that's a, that's that's real but but the same token uh let's not get so hung up on something as a you know at a greater level that we do not go forward because here i am talking to you you're in Texas. i'm in california we talked before but this was not necessarily possible 50 years ago 30 years ago we weren't doing this and here we are you know we're one step closer i would say uh, to being able to organize more efficiently, you know, in a wiser manner uh, for our babies. Organize, organize, organize. That you know what that, I was thinking about the other day. Is that one of our biggest problems, bro? That's that's one of our biggest. You know, so one of the Black Panthers once said, "We're not outnumbered. We're just out-organized." You know, we've got the numbers. Numbers. I mean, is that one of the biggest problems, or is that our biggest problem? I, I would say it's one of our biggest problems. It's, it's not our biggest problem, but it's up there. It's up there. And the reason why is because we're trying to organize around issues of identity. For, you know, we get sidetracked with that. Or we're trying to organize in issues of economics, for example. We just got into a whole thing about, you know, socialism versus capitalism. We get sidetracked by that. Or educational, you know, levels, for example. A lot of us who go to college, we come out talking in these platitudes and high, you know, verbiage that <laughs> our, our people in the hood though, in the barrios they don't even know what the hell we're saying so they just tune us out and I don't blame that people for doing that you know because it's a language that they didn't grow up with so so yeah we are out organized in many ways and we have to organize but that's going to take some rising above some of the I would say um, some of the the, the 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 black and white stuff and and you know not everything's black and white not everything's black and white even for us as chicanos to do a dna test you'll be surprised that you know some of us we ain't got all that indigenous blood we claim to do you know some of us are gonna be shocked we got afro african blood some of us are gonna have some some european blood and some of us are gonna have some asian blood so we you know we we gotta you know we got to organize man not that you mentioned it maybe that is our problem Man, I, you know, I, I've been lately, I've been thinking about it. And um, that's why I, I, I asked the question again is, you know, earlier you were hitting some good uh, points on how and why communism works is because, you know, it's 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 not it's not the way people like want to see it. I think back in like the 60s or something, you know, if you were called a communist, you know, you were you know, you, you could have been taken to jail or something, you know, because you were already plotting. But, you know, I think, you know, when you start literally defining the word, it's just, you know, a communion of people trying to help each other as opposed to like, you know, these two guys running everything and, you know, having everybody work for them. Right. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, that 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 I think that like that is where, um, you know, if we if we wanted to, we could break this fucking system. And I think that's one of the things that got Martin Luther King killed. I think, you know, when you look at people like Malcolm X getting murdered, assassinated, these people did not live to the extent of their life. Somebody killed them. And I think that when you start talking in a way that can organize people in the masses and help them understand, then you do start challenging uh, the pillars, the foundation of this system that we currently live in. Somebody at that top of that system has enough money to silence you if they don't like what you have to say. So when I do say that, you know what, man, if you took all, all the people, because I mean, I think just in L.A. County alone, one time I heard that it actually has more people than like so many states. Like if we were to like look at the electoral, like the top 13 states, just LA County alone would have more popular, more votes than the smallest 13 electoral states in the electoral college, something like 12 or 13. And I think it was 13. But my point with that is, 
is it Hampton? And that's really, in my opinion, why, um, you know, we have an issue with the border. It's not all this stuff that they say. It's more like, hey, we're losing power. And if they keep coming in at that rate, pretty soon their votes are going to matter more than ours, no matter what. And that's why I think when we start talking about how us helping each other, we could break the fucking system. I mean, if, if, if we're doing all the labor, if we're picking all the fruit, if, uh, you know, somebody like, let's just say, um, Chavez was around today, but not in fruit, right? He did it. He organized a, 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 a system that worked to get the better wages and all that stuff, but just with fruit, right? Just with fruit. Imagine if he had somebody that was a part of this huge labor union like i'm i'm in construction bro mm-hmm. so this is kind of what i'm thinking um in the southwest whether it be california whether it be texas whether it be arizona whether it be new mexico the guys putting on roofs the guys doing the, the concrete slabs the guys doing the house framing the brick laying uh, the plumbing the electricity every facet of the construction job is done by our people now the owners, the general managers, the people that get the money at the very top of the companies that have all the insurance or whatever, 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 those guys that pay all of us, they're always not us. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if somehow we were organized enough to say, man, you know what? We could start owning these companies. Not only could we own the companies, but once that happens, if that were to happen, we could take over the whole industry. If we took over the whole industry, let's just say, for instance, like you, you know, you've heard these theories, right? They call them conspiracy, right? But conspiracy is really just conspiring to do something. So, like, if all the people in Hollywood are ran, or I guess really controlled by, you know, the people they say that run it, you know, I think that some people say, and I'm not saying this, but they say that, you know, it's like a, 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 a the, the Jewish people control Hollywood. That's been said. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that's been said so many times that if let's just say if those are the people that are said to be controlling banking or, uh, you know, let's just say somebody was to control something. Well, then why wouldn't it be so fundamentally easy for us as the pop art? Because our population is pretty damn big. And if we're doing all the labor, if we all got together like in a union and said, no, you know what? We don't want to work for you guys anymore. If we did control that industry, I mean, what kind of wealth could that bring, you know, to 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 to, to our people? That's kind of like where, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm thinking, if, if 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 we if we did understand all the values like you were talking about with capitalism or even going to school or communism, both sides of it, then you could find out how you could play off of each other, even in the current system that we're in to turn it into whatever we wanted to make it right yeah you know let me and let me say something about that and um i'll be the first to tell you that i don't believe this whole jewish conspiracy thing i that's that's two-dimensional thinking that goes back to the 30s and 40s and even as recently some people still you know put that out there about you know jewish jews control hollywood or jews this and jews that that's another way to keep us divided as well you know uh, but with that said, and, and by the way, I say that because I, I've lost too many friends to these QAnon, you know, uh, anti-Semitic conspiracy mentalities, and even black and brown militants would get caught up in that. Uh, is there bad people in every culture? Oh, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, let me dismiss that right off the bat. But you bring up a point about politics and, or, and our political electoral power. And a lot of people may not know what that means, electoral, but that's the what you know you just mentioned were all these numbers of people that if we voted we could change the system we could demand things to change and that's one one of the i would say big old uh uh, uh problems one of the obstacles that has prevented us as people from moving forward is we we don't take politics serious we dismiss it as a white man's thing or we dismiss it as you know there uh they're, it's all uh you know it doesn't matter how you vote it's all the same this, this dismissal of the political system, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Because you know who would not put up with that kind of talk? 
Emiliano Zapata would not put up with that kind of talk. You know, even Pancho Villa knew that that had validity. These revolutionaries, they fought against the government because they knew that they had to pick up arms against a, a, a corrupt government in Mexico that wasn't you know, respecting democracy. The Zapatistas picked up guns against the government in Mexico. And were they murdered? And were they killed? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, a lot of them were murdered. A lot of them were killed. We have our martyrs too, matter of fact. Oh, yeah. You see? And, and see, going, and, and so, once we start to understand it, once we start to understand it, once we start to learn how to play the game, bro, and that's the thing, once they find out that, oh, they're learning how to play, kill them. And you bring up a very good uh, talking point all the time called the this, this Nida Chicano Party or party, political party. And I think we need, we don't, we may not need a political party, but we need a political mindset where we know yep. that we have to, we have to attack uh, our, the issue or to defend ourselves from all directions. It's like a cancer from the art side of it like you were mentioning the movies yeah the music yeah but also from school education science medicine uh, the spiritual religious side if that's what you believe in but also we have to attack it from the economic we cannot dismiss economic nor political you know strategies and, and approaches to to solving our issues as a community to helping our people because if we do that is called negligence because we have a duty those of us who including myself who put ourselves out there as leaders or political organizers we have a duty we have a duty to the children to the young uh, to the young people to the elders to to make this a better world and if we have a way and we have a way of, of uplifting our community and it happens to be through voting then why do we dismiss it we should not be dismissing it and if we are dismissing it then we better go explain to our people why we chose not to use that tool that we have in the toolbox because any doctor any surgeon who has a, a opportunity to save a life has a, the, the 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 medicine or the tools to save a life chooses not to use that tool then that doctor is guilty of negligence because they had the, uh, the the chance, the ability, the knowledge that they could save a life, but they chose not to. And so any of us out there saying, don't go, don't talk about politics, don't talk about economics, uh, then they better explain to the community why not. Because at this point, we're going to do ourselves harm. And like I mentioned again, we got our own Fred Hamptons and our own, you know, Malcolm X's, you know, Milano Zapata, he represented his people in the village as a representative. Democracy, and let me make this clear, it's not a Greek thing only. The concept of democracy has, has gone back thousands of years, even within our own indigenous cultures. And so when we dismiss dem democracy or, or, or these kind of ideas as white only, then we're only doing damage to ourselves because they're not white only. Those are human ideas. Uh, you know, unfortunately, though, we've been taught not to do. That. You got any? Um, you got any favorite books you've read, bro? You, know, you can recommend. Lately, you know, uh, uh, Aslan, the Insurgents, uh, by uh, Todd Ireles, uh, he's a professor out of Arizona. Uh, it's called Aslan. If you look up that, book, I know, I know, that, I know. That's a good book. You know, that's one I read lately. But you know, the truth is, a lot of the books I've read years going back. They have to, they're old books, including, you know, Occupied America by, uh, Occupied America by, by Rudy Acuna or uh, the Chicano, and I forget who it is, uh, Chicano Movement. Uh, there's several books out there, old school books that have taught us the, the uh, certain lessons. But nowadays we don't even find books, you know, it's all about, you know, connections we make, like you and I having a discussion on a podcast. Nowadays it's podcast. And unfortunately you're one of the only few podcasts we could actually look towards to get some guidance to be honest if you want to be real about it hey man i appreciate that hey since you were talking about earlier a little bit about the way that we see politics we're about to wrap this up i'm gonna try to keep it right around an hour but um you know just recently you know uh we got you know trump out of office i mean i, I think it's probably safe to say that you know 70 80 percent of us are you know anti-trump there might be a few people out there that are Mexicanos or Chicanos or whatever that, you know, are Trumpsters, but that ain't us, right? But, I mean, with him out of office, you know, I mean, I know earlier the way that the conversation is going and stuff like that, are things, do you think, really going to change for the Chicano, the, the Mexican-American, or things really going to change for the, uh, you know, the people, uh, you know, like us that, you know, are, 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 are happy now that, you know, 
yay, he's gone. Are things really going to change? Is Biden really going to do something for the Chicano, for the Mexicano, for the Mexican-American, for the person that may have ties or, you know, may have, uh, you know, the same kind of um, in, 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 in um, the, the, the same kind of problems that we have? Well, it's a good question. I'll be honest with you. I don't think things are going to get better under Biden. Matter of fact, n- n- things are never going to get better. They're going. Matter of fact, I think they're going to get worse under Biden. In this respect, Biden, um, just like Obama, just like you know Bill Clinton, a lot of people applaud them because you know they're not Trumps or they're not George W. Bushes and you know war criminals. They say, but they are in fact war criminals. You know, they are in fact you know uh, rich men and wh- rich white men. Most of them who who got rich and got up there at the expense of us and Biden has always wanted to be in that position so he's i don't take him serious that he truly does care about the people i think he cared more about achieving the presidency and that being his legacy than he does about the people because as we speak liberal politicians white politicians and other people politicians up there congress they were having a fight over whether we should give you know, two thousand or money to people who are quote unquote illegally here, even though they had children born in the United States. And so I'm looking at that, thinking, oh, now you're you called Trump a racist, which he was. You called Trump this and that, but yeah, you now you're distinguishing between children whose parents are not quote unquote legally here and those that are now you want to make that argument. So here's my here's my point: things are not going to get better until we make it better. Biden is not our savior. As a matter of fact, if you start thinking that, you're falling asleep already. Just like what we what happened with Obama. We fell asleep when Obama got elected. We fell asleep and he nulled us into this mentality of all oh, it's gonna be okay, things are getting better. But in actuality, so this is, he, he So know, this is going back I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm just saying this is probably going back to that we're not organized thing, right? We correct. don't believe we can do it like we we're 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 not mexicans right now we're mexicans we got to be a donkey we got to be an elephant and whatever crumbs they throw us we got to be okay with that we don't want to run our own companies we don't want to run our own industries we're okay with getting a paycheck because this is what the american dream is about there's something wrong with that man we're not organized and that, that that's why i was saying earlier you know when you said you know it's one of the biggest you know i said is it not the biggest, because in my opinion, man, well, you know, and in my no, very uh, you, strong you, opinion, no, I would, uh, I would agree with you. We're not organized, and if you look at it with the re- with respect to values, we need to organize. Well, what what do we value? That's why I said, what are our our values? If we value family, if we value community, if we value health of people and education, yeah, then then yes, you know, we have to organize around those values and not around a political party and not around one person uh we have to organize around these values so if you want to put it in that in that respect yeah definitely organization is our number one issue that we have to get over because we can't even get past the issue of identity you know much less no political you're right or getting mixed up on the little stuff like you know i don't agree with that like we got to be able to disagree to agree and agree to disagree just to be you know have some equity in this thing you know Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we're if we're ever if we're ever gonna if we're ever gonna get anywhere, right? I mean, it's gonna be better me you walking in together as opposed to like, man, I don't like that guy because he thinks he's better than me. You know, like, I mean, we're if we're all doing that, then we're all just, and that's I think that's part of the problem we have right now. Oh, I mean, I, I, it's high school stuff, man. It's teenage stuff that many of us are too old to be wasting our time on on things that personality differences or he said she said or facebook fights you know we spend more time fighting on threads on facebook than we do with anybody else that's keeping us down you know we if we used enough energy you know the same energy that we spend on facebook or any other uh, social media platform attacking each other we we've already solved our problems so yeah organizing man i'm gonna give it to you let's organize well man that's 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 that that's a good uh end uh, to the uh, the the episode, man. You're you're actually the first person um, I've ever uh, you know had um, on as a guest, man. And um, I'm not I'm not cutting. I'm not editing any part of this. I, I really enjoyed right uh, doing this with you, man. I want to bring you back. 
Um, actually, I want to get better at, uh, you know, doing this because it, 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 it actually was a lot of fun. Maybe you just had a, a good uh, energy that just made it, uh, you know, resonate with me and hopefully it resonates with the audience, man. But I do want to say, man, I really appreciate you having uh, the time. Uh, you know, to take out of your day to day and do this on such short notice. I know uh, yesterday when I asked you, you know, you had to squeeze it in because we're on two different uh, time zones. Right man, yeah, I, I really appreciate it, man. I just want to say that. And um, I don't know, man, I guess uh, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, wrap this one up. And uh, man, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get you uh, get, 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 get you in on the thing again. All right. All right, Steve. Appreciate it, man. Anytime. It's been good talking to you, brother. All right, man. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up, guys. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Um, We'll catch you on the rebound. Peace.